and turn to Acts chapter 26, the same place we were Sunday morning. We're going to come at this scripture a little differently, different angle tonight. Hold your finger in Acts 26 when you get there, and then we're going to read a couple verses to start off with. Also, in Luke 21, I'm so, yes, Luke 21, so Acts 26 and Luke 21. Acts 26, verses 1 through 3. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. It's the word we're going to see at other places tonight. It's apologetics. I consider myself fortunate that is before you, King Agrippa, I am able to make my apologetic or defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you're familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And then we went through Paul's U-turn last time on Sunday morning. Luke 21 Jesus speaking, says in verse 10, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famine and pestilence and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. When you're delivered up to a synagogue, you're flogged. Um, So that would be 39 stripes. You you know what that's about. And prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my sake. And then he says, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Jesus would say, and Paul is going to be our living example from Acts 26 and a couple other places tonight. This truth, opportunity is for opposition. Opportunities for opposition. Persecution, Jesus says in Luke 21, persecution, flogging, prison. None of those we would choose. None of us desire those things. We don't go after those things. It may come in America that it comes to that, perhaps someday. But here's what Jesus says. Your evangelistic strategy will be interrupted. In other words... I'm commissioning you to go out into all the world, and when you go out there, sometimes they'll beat you, and sometimes they'll persecute you, and sometimes they'll imprison you, and that'll interrupt your evangelistic strategy. But here's what God says, never interrupts mine. All of that is part of God's evangelistic strategy. Now, don't answer out loud yet. Have you ever stopped... And read as you read through the New Testament, have you ever stopped and considered how much of Paul's witness for Jesus was given in circumstances and situations that he did not plan? It's interesting. I encourage you to read. I've read all the book of Acts again recently and gone through other places in the New Testament. But it's a lot. It is the majority. The majority of times that Paul... Um, gives the gospel to people were times that he did not plan. N- now, I know that this is 
in, not altogether right when I say it this way. That was also true of Jesus. Now, I know for Jesus, especially being God, and even Paul, for that, you know, everything is planned by God. And so sovereignly, yeah, he knows everything. So in, in one sense, nothing is unplanned because God knows it all and Jesus had it all planned. And I understand that. But from a human's perspective, there were many times, in fact, the majority of times for Jesus um, were times where he presented the gospel, ministered to people, and it was not because he initiated it. There are many times he did initiate it. He met the woman at the well on purpose. He had to go through Samaria, it says in John 4, 4. Zacchaeus, come down. I have to, I must stay at your house today, okay? Maybe even Jesus orchestrated the at-night meeting with Nicodemus. Um, and there are many examples of Jesus giving the good news about how to be born again and so forth and planning it, initiating. He's the one who stopped by the tree. He's the one who went to the well. He's the, but there are many times that from a human perspective someone initiated contact with Jesus and ran up to him or spoke to him or was by the side of the road calling his name out as he was walking by on his way to do something else and such it was the same for the apostle Paul so let me ask you to think put your biblical thinking caps on so to speak we'll start with Jesus first I gave you some of the planned uh, gospel presentations Jesus did the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, and but what are some other? You can do either one, planned or unplanned times in the Gospels where Jesus gave someone the good news. By planned, I mean it looks like Jesus, he was the one who initiated. He put the, you know, or the unplanned would be someone else came up to him, or it looks like someone else started the conversation or the whole thing. Let's start with Paul. I mean, I start start with Jesus. Give me some of either one. Sandy. Yes, good. Right. So unplanned, more or less, because the rich young ruler came up and said, I got to ask you a question. How can you have eternal life? So he came up to him. That would be one. I, yes, I want to check that one off. Excellent. What else? Yes. That's, well, you guys were right in a row. One, two. That was pretty good. Um, the maniac of Gadara, or the, the demoniac, right? Um, Jesus went across the water, but the guy ran right up to him, right off the bat. And Jesus, that, that could be either way almost, actually. Go ahead. The woman that was a sinner at house? Yes. The woman who was the woman from the city, right? And she did her hair and wiped Jesus. Yes. She comes in and breaks everything up. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. So that, that was initiated by her, Right? What else? Yes. Yes, the woman who touches his garment, thinking of the Malachi passage where it says there's healing in his wings, and she touches the little tzizi, the little tassel on his garment because of that passage, and she's healed by it. But she's finding him in the crowd, you know, to get that. She's initiating it. What else? Mayor? Yes, the, the adulterous woman in John 8. You know, obviously, she didn't have any choice in it either much, but... Mike? Nicodemus. Nicodemus? Yeah, we don't know for sure who initiated the night meeting, but could be planned or unplanned. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the lawyer, the uh, expert in the law, the Torah. Pam? 
Yes, that's a, oh, that was an excellent one. Yeah, the man let down the roof. Obviously initiated by his friends and him to bring it down in here. And Jesus uh, gives the good news to him. Jamie. Yes, blind Bartimaeus, pool Bethesda. Yes, I only have, that's good, I have two more that you haven't said yet. But I'm sure there's even more than that. Uh, Ray? Oh, yes, that's right, I had the scraps from the table. I also put in there the lepers and the one man who came back and glorified God. Yes? Yes, the children came and ran to Jesus. Such is the kingdom of heaven. The man, on the thief, or the, the left eye, the criminal on the cross. That's the one you're thinking of? Gotcha. Okay, let's flip over real quick. Oh, go ahead, Jared. Yes. Yep. Yep, a lot of them. A lot of But a lot of them, again, Jesus having planned it, but... From a human perspective, there's a lot of people coming up to him with their children, their family, their diseases, their problems, and they initiate it. How about Paul? Planned and unplanned opportunities he had as well. Can you think of his life? Yes. Say it. Yes, yes. In the same chapter, we have two kinds, Acts 16. The Philippian jailer, I mean, he comes in. And that was unplanned. I'm sure Paul didn't know that day he'd be in stocks and there would be an earthquake and this guy would be going to kill himself. And so you got the Philippian jailer. What about that same story? The slave girl who's got a demon, right? How did he know that that was going to take place? Yes. Yes. Paul before Felix. Don't steal my sermon, son. Now that's very good. Very good. And the same story. Keep going. Who's the other third one in there? I know you weren't. Go ahead. Mars Hill. The unknown God and had the chance to go up and talk to everyone at the forum in the marketplace on the hill. You got Lydia as the other one that was planned because he went out to the river to seek Jewish people. So that was more, a little bit more planned. More, that's great. All those are good. Yes. The road. Yeah, it definitely wasn't that one. Yes. Ananias wasn't planning on it either. <laughs> right? Someone else. What other ones for Paul? Yes. Yes, the shipwreck and all the people that were spared. And as a result of the shipwreck, on the island and reaching those people, he gets the hand, they think he's a god, and then they think he's a murderer, then they think he's a god. And, right? A lot. Any other ones? I think that was, that was pretty good. God wants all of us, all of us, to be ready to give the gospel of peace at all times. Ephesians 6.15, the peace is the armor. It says, have your feet as they were, shoed, or have shoes on, the feet of the gospel of peace. In other words, as you're going in life, as you're going in the world, you should be taking the gospel with you at all times. That's the idea. Um... Paul's going to teach us tonight, as you well know already, this is nothing new. There are many interruptions, and some of those interruptions are irritations. Um, 
And a lot of the things that take place in our day, every day, and maybe you had them already today, surprises, things that you got up in the morning and said, you know, I don't know if you do this thing on your phone where you got the to-do list or the, all these pl- apps and programs. Here's what I'm doing today. Boom, 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 right? I know some of you are laughing because you're really into this, right? You've got to have the whole thing. So, you know, and then someone does, comes into your life and takes up 30 minutes of your time that you weren't thinking about. Oh, it just wrecks your whole day, doesn't it? Or it can. And, and listen, here's what the Bible says. All the interruptions, all the surprises, all the irritations, none of them, can I say it again? None of them are without evangelism or evangelistic purposes. None of them. If you look at and read very carefully the life of Jesus and Paul, what you're going to find out is they were ready to give the gospel to anyone anytime, anywhere. And they often did just that. You can turn there real quickly, but we're going to come back. 1 Peter chapter 3, if you'll turn there. You know this verse. 1 Peter 3, 15. Brings out this truth very clearly. And it even uses the same word that Paul used in Acts 26 when he was going to give a defense. Remember, apologetics? That's the word that's going to be used in this text as well. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ. And it means to sanctify. It means to set him apart. That he is not common. That he is unique. Set him apart as special. Okay? In your hearts, honor Christ. The Lord is holy. Always being Underline it, always being prepared, always. The word prepared is the same word Jesus used in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, it's to make something ready ahead of time. So here's what Peter's saying. If you want to be a good defender of the faith, if you want to be a good witness and testimony, you want to have an evangelistic apologetic Here's one of the things that has to be true of you. You have to always be prepared. You have to be ready. Ready for what? To make a defense. And that, used, that word was used in a law court often to explain your position on a very given matter or a special matter. So Paul says, here's what you ought to be. Peter says, you ought to be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you. And in my text, I wrote down... One, another translation of possibility is every time someone asks you. The idea is, is that Peter would say that you're living a life in such a way that people watch how you live and they want to ask you questions about why you're that way. Um, in the context, read a little further after verse 15 and you'll hear words like this. Um, the context is being a suffering and being suffering or suffering and being slandered for Jesus. The phrase actually is those who revile your good behavior. So people in the world look at you and they're doing this and you're doing this good over here in contrast to that. They look at the, their lives and the world around them and then they look at you and they see a stark difference. And the idea is you should always be ready to give a defense of why you live this way. And, and the, the word used here is a reason. Give a reason. It's the Greek word logia, which we get the English word logical. 
And the idea is, give a defense, a logical meaning rational, tell them rationally why you live this way. And the reason is, you ought to tell them that it's not just that you and I are different externally. The idea is, tell them about the logical, theological, right? The theological difference is the hope you have. The hope in you is, see, the difference between you, me and you is Jesus, obviously. And that difference of Jesus makes a difference that starts from the inside out. And here's what he says. That's what we do. It's a reasonable, rational, theological in the sense that it makes sense as far as what God has done in your life. And he says, not only what you'd say to them matters, and this is a big one because... I'm going to be flat honest with you, about 90% of people who are on Facebook trying to defend Jesus should not be because they're, they're absolutely rude in the way they do it. And Jesus says, I mean, Peter says, with meekness, or it's translated some places as gentleness, it's the word that means power under control. He says, and respect. Really the word fear that's translated over in 1 Peter earlier uh, it means that you should, fe- it's reverence. You show respect to people. Just because I don't agree with them and their religion is a false religion and they're wrong about the arguments, I still need to present the defense of the gospel in a way that shows respect to people and power under control. I don't power over people as if I can just slam them with everything I can say and hopefully that rationalization, right, will get them convinced and they'll get saved if I can just beat them into the ground with the truth. No, the idea is it matters. It matters how you evangelize people, how you talk to people, and how you relate to them. That's why life and lip go together. It's not that I just tell people, it doesn't matter how I live when they're around me or how I talk to them. Both of them matter. They both matter. And so if I want to get the opportunity and for God to give me those opportunities, even unplanned ones, there's a lot that goes into it. And so here's what Peter says. You know how you can be ready when you're in the line at the grocery store or you're over here at the auto parts store getting something for your car that's not working right or whatever the case. You know what? You should always be ready to give a defense. Because here's what Peter and Jesus, Paul and Jesus are going to teach us, that you may not realize all the opportunities that you're going to have today. You may see them as interruptions And God sees them as opportunities. Acts 26. If you go back there a little bit more. The question I asked as I read the first opening verses that don't seem to be a whole very weighty. I asked this. How did an insignificant, itinerant, Jewish slash Christian missionary get an audience with the king of all of Palestine at the time? How is it that Paul was actually standing before Agrippa to give a defense and to tell him the U-turn he took? How does he get the chance to do all of that? Let me give you the timeline just to show you and, and follow me because this is how God can do in your life as well, can work. Two years earlier, he had been arrested on false charges in Jerusalem. At the time, as Jesus had told him in Luke 21, is why we read that text, the Two years earlier, he had been arrested on false charges. They were trying to beat him up, probably to try to kill him. He was 
saved by the Roman soldier. He got a chance to then talk to the whole Sanhedrin or the Jewish leadership to tell them about who Jesus was, that he was the risen Messiah. So here's an interruption in his life. He gets arrested, he gets beaten, but he gets to tell the, all the leadership of, in Jerusalem, unbelieving Jewish leadership about Jesus and who he was. Then, after he's arrested and is in, in jail for a while, a plot against his life comes out, and his nephew finds out about it, reports it, and they save him from it. And so instead of him being ambushed on the road and being assassinated, they take him with a big, huge guard of Roman soldiers to Caesarea. And he's in prison there for two years. Now, can you imagine going to Jerusalem? You're going to the temple like an, a normal thing to worship, and it changes your entire life. I mean, years. Okay, not days, not weeks, not months. Years of your life are completely out of your control. So he goes to Caesarea. He is in prison there for two years, two more years. And then he is given audience with Felix that was mentioned earlier, right? And he gives an opportunity to give the gospel there. And after two years in prison there, they have a new Roman governor, and his name is Festus. Festus hears about Paul, has conversations with Paul, and he's so intrigued by Paul that he says, Agrippa, you have to hear this guy. So some time passes, he gets, and now Festus is in charge, and he brings Agrippa, Agrippa and Bernice come, and they have all these other people. And so while Paul is being moved around from place to place, prison to prison, four years of his life are taken up, God uses, listen to this, God uses that to the three highest officials in all of Palestine and the entire Sanhedrin of the Jewish council and leadership all hear the gospel. That would never have been possible without those interruptions. And I would say this, the ir irritation of being beaten again, imprisoned again, but God uses all of those circumstances and situations for the gospel. I met Rosa Spera, who owns, did own the restaurant. Now she's still catering. A lot of you know who she is. We've used her for various things over the year. I met her just over 20 years ago. I went into the restaurant because I was fairly new here and uh, wanted something to eat. Met her. She was very kind. And, of course, you know, I'm starting the old, uh, you're from Italy, tell me about Sicily, and you're being Italian, and so forth and so on. We became friends, um, and 20-plus years later, Rosa professes Jesus as her Savior. Um, and through her, I have had lunch with three senators, all of which, one being Jewish, that I gave the full gospel to over lunch because she set them right next, me right next to them. I have talked to mayors, and I have talked to, um, uh, I've had the opportunity to pray the dedication for three things, uh, three major events in Hamilton community of dedications of new monuments and things in our community. Our choir has had the opportunity to sing at those. Um, I've had, um, had the chance three years ago, no, three or four years ago, to open prayer in the, United, the New Jersey State Senate for all the senators, and I was able to pray whatever I wanted to. So it was a three or four minute prayer, and it had all the gospel in it. 
Um, I've had an opportunity. Why did that happen? Because God allowed a relationship to take place, and it wasn't planned by me. Not planned by me. We have the Martin Luther King here seven years running. Why? Because God put a lost Italian woman in my life, unplanned by me, and then planned all the other things through it. Um, God, I wrote down, thinking about all that this week, God wants to use your personal setbacks as setups for the gospel. He wants to take the things that you said, why do they have to come over here and interrupt me? Don't, that's not in my schedule. Call me tomorrow, right? Why did that have to happen? You're, on your, you're busy enough and then your car breaks down and you're busy, you got enough financial problems and this takes place. But what if we saw everything differently? What if we saw obstacles as opportunities? Don't turn there, but just listen to me. I want you to hear these words and just think and meditate on them as I'm reading them. Paul was writing the epistle of Philippians. He is writing it from prison, right? And he's going to say something. Listen to what he says. Listen how the lens by which he sees a terrible interruption of prison in his life. Philippians 1.12, I want you to know. In other words, I want you to think this way. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me being put in prison. And later on in the chapter, he says he's not really sure whether he's going to live or he's going to be released. At this point, he's, not, he's, he's pretty confident that he's going to be released, but he doesn't know. That's why he says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So he's in a prison cell not knowing if he's going to get out. Not, not for sure. But those things that have happened to me have really served to advance the gospel. Do you hear what he says? And the word advance means to make a progress, to make progression. In other words, the gospel is progressing. More people are getting saved. And here's why. Because God put me in this prison. What does he mean by that? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard to all the rest that my imprisonment is in Christ. That is an amazing statement. Here's what he says. You know the interruptions I've had of years in prison? Here's another one. But you know what God says? Here's how I see it. Oh, God put me here in this circumstance for the gospel's sake. Because now the whole imperial guard, they all have to take their turns being chained to me every day. Two of them. Every day. They're on shifts. And guess what? I give all of them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone here tonight on a two-year setback? Anyone here on a two-year detour that you've been going down? You didn't plan on going this, but you know, years of, you're still going down that road. Paul says, listen, look at your personal setbacks as gospel set-ups. I had my appendix out later in life. My dad had his out when he was 12. We were on vacation in Indiana, and Lance Jr., on vacation, how rude, um, had his appendix out. So I'm thinking, my dad always told me growing up, you know, you know, as you get to be 12, so, you know, and it never happened to me at 12. So I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a generational thing. So I missed it. Now Lance gets it. No one else has got it, just my dad and then Lance. So I'm saying like, you know, probably 
my grandson or great-grandson, they're probably going to have theirs out eventually too. So I thought, you know, I'm out of the woods. No. So when I'm like 43, 44, I have a horrible pain. I'm on a Sunday night. I gave announcements. I walked to the back, and I pulled my son, Will, and I said, take me home. I'm going home. And then I said, you're going to have to come with me because I was feeling bad. So I went home, and it was awful. You ever, now it's pretty graphic, but you ever get throw up and you said, oh, I feel better? Nope. Not me. I felt, I felt worse. And I said, take me to the hospital. So BJ, I was so bad, BJ had to take me and carry me in almost. And then they put me in a wheelchair and I just laid slumped over there. And then I had my appendix out right away. It was so bad. It was, it had, I had gangrene on it. That, I mean, I'm not lying to you. It was that bad. And so he, the doctor even came in and, who shows you pictures of that? He did. He goes, let me show you how bad this was. But here's what happened. So I'm in the hospital, you know, and I have the surgery, and every single one of my nurses was from a different country. So I talked to this one girl. I said, you know, she's giving me pain. I go, oh, where are you from? I hear you have an accent. I said, I said, como ye, nambule. And she starts talking to me. She's, you know, Creole. She, oh, she's like, I think, I have two lines, and they think I'm fluent. Um, so I start talking to her. About five, five minutes later, she's already a Christian. So she goes, oh, what are you? I go, I'm a pastor. She goes, wait here. So she goes down the hall and gets her Haitian friend. She goes, you got to talk to her about Jesus. So she brings her on in. And I start talking to her. But you know what? I could say my appendix, oh, you know, I can't get out of the bed. You know, you got those three holes in you and all that stuff. But you know, you know what? God's good because it was for the advance of the gospel. For the advance of the gospel. Doctor's office visits are for the advance of the gospel. Dentist appointments, yuck. What if dentist appointments are divine appointments? Annual physicals are actually annual spirituals because you're trying to reach your doctor with the gospel. Car problems are heart problems. You know why? Because... I want to talk to that mechanic about Jesus. Up until recently, we only have one car now. We bought a new car two year, 2017. And then talk about problems. McKinsey takes a car. We buy her one. McKinsey drove to school in one of our, we, for like the last 20 years, we had beaters, bad ones. So she drove it and broke down on the way to college in a little town at 10 o'clock at night. So after that, I go, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. So I bought her a car. And so... You know, we, we, but for years and years, I used to go down to Monroe, Mu yeah, Monroe Muffler down there. And I was literally down there practically every month. We had at one time four cars, and they all took work, uh, t turns running or not running. And so I always go down there, but I learned I, all the guys' names down there. I knew where they live. I knew all their hours that they came in. And I had shared the gospel with every one of them. Why? Because I was down there all the time. And it gave me an opportunity to do it. I try to go back to the same restaurants. Um, Nikki at Santander is, has a little girl. She lives by herself. And I'm trying to get her to come to church. She's only come one time. And I'm trying to get her to come. Angelo down at Brothers Pizza. Steve and I are double teaming on him. We go there all the time. We bought him his favorite soccer team jersey. And he comes over. I invited him to Friend Day. He's the owner, by the way. So I asked him, I said, hey, can you take off on Sunday and come with Steve and I to friend day? I can't, I gotta work. I go, Angela, you're the owner. You don't have to work. Let somebody else do it. Oh, I, I can't, I can't. 
He goes, my wife's religious. She's Catholic. She does the church thing. I said, you need the church thing. That's why you're not going. You need it. And so working on Angelo, Marie down at Amari's, I go down there. She's Ecuadorian. So I'm there this week, and I'm talking to her, and I sit there, and I'm saying, you know what? We have a mission in Ecuador, and we're going back this year. And I took a trip there last year, and I, and I said, you know, I, I know friends from Ecuador. We have people in our church from Ecuador. She goes, in your church? I go, yes. Why don't you come, and I'll introduce you. She goes, oh, okay, maybe, like that. But why? But because going out to eat isn't about just going out to eat. It's about the gospel. Emergency rooms, could that be for the gospel? Funeral homes, definitely. Snowstorms and people, older people being, need to be shoveled out. Is it an interruption on your Saturday or your work day to shovel out for a couple hours? No, it's not an interruption. It's an intervention for the gospel. It's an exciting way to live your life every single day. As you plan your day out this week and the remainder of Missions Month and perhaps the rest of your life, I've designed, and you can put it up there, Steve, it's a slide about the prayer. And I wrote a prayer and I put it up there, if you can see it on the... And, and uh, I probably should use white letters, it's been easier to see. But, Lord, I know that I do not control this day. What will happen to my car will happen at work. Whom I will see or talk to at lunch. And a hundred other details of my day. Would you please govern my day by your divine providence so that all the interruptions and irritations that seem like unplanned detours would be of spiritual value for the kingdom. Where Satan would want me to see only obstacles, would you allow me to see them as opportunities for the gospel? Pray a prayer like that in your own words this week. Say, God, oh, you know, I've got all these, and I'm so busy, and you can say that, right? I'm so busy, and I can't handle it when people don't have the courtesy to ask me. And I know all that can be true. But what if you saw those people and those circumstances? What if you would say this? And what if we came back next week and I said, hey, the first half of the service, tell me about all the interruptions and how God used it for this gospel. Wouldn't it be great if a hundred and some people here would say, hey, we're all going to go out this week and pray that every day and say, God, turn my interruptions into something of spiritual value. Use it for your glory and for your honor alone. I wrote down, red lights for you are green lights for the gospel. And that's my way of remembering. So when I travel in my car and I go up to a traffic light this week and it turns red, I'm going like, oh, have you ever been in a hurry? I hit every red light. Of course, you tell yourself that, right? And then when I don't really care and I'm I'm really taking it easy, it doesn't matter. Oh, now I hit every green light there is. Seems like that, right? But what if God says, oh, you know what? I use red lights far better than green lights in your life. I really do. If you'd see him that way. How did Paul get there? He didn't plan it. He didn't plan it. But God did. But God did. And, and, and pray this week, God, I'll let you do the planning in my life. Let me see what you have for me and the gospel. Let's close in prayer.
Father, we have our ideas of how our day should go. And maybe we need to have a little more humility and say, Father, you know better how my day should go. We want to have, in America, we're so bent on getting so much done every day that we lose track of how important people are and their needs, especially lost people. Father, I pray that you would have your hand of providence guide us and direct us that this week, in fact, maybe even tonight yet, uh, we have meetings to go to and things. Help us not to forget who and what matters most. Help us to see everything through the lens of the gospel that we might with Paul say, oh yeah, let me tell you the story about how this happened in my life. I didn't plan it, but it was for the furtherance of the gospel. Father, help us not to let Satan get a hold of us, that he can help us miss those things. But open our eyes and let us see people and the opportunities that you give us for the sake of the truth. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful and matchless name we pray. Amen.